I'm glad to be here. I'm back. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back. Glad Thanks, you're here. Elsa. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> glad I'm to glad be you're here. here. <laughs> <laughs> dark. You look out your window. You see a cow far off into the distance. It's mooing. It is, it's mooing at the moon. It's me. I'm that cow. Hi, my name's Daly. My pronouns are she, her. <laughs> <laughs> Who made this big mess? Oh, wait. Scary. <laughs> Who made this big mess? <laughs> My name is Rachel. My pronouns are she, her. Edamame and lima beans are wearing the same outfit. My name is pronouns are they though? And? There's a woman in the window staring at you. She woke up this morning at 7.30, went for a jog, had a protein shake, and then she took a shower. After the shower, the woman walked to the window and started staring at you. I'm the feeling she experienced in that moment she first laid eyes on you. My name is Love, and my pronouns are they, them. <laughs> I was so scared. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. It's the woman and the Pushing cow, they're in love. Both made the big They're eating lima beans and edamame. Well, this is just the fake ones, a podcast where we talk about fictional crime and murder. And today we have a very special guest, our cousin Love, who edits the podcast and does music and writes music for our podcast and writes music for themselves and for you. Mostly I do my themselves. best. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are talking about the movie Phenomena by Dario Argento, <laughs> which was a trip. But before that, how are my cousins? <laughs> doing, doing the thing. Uh, you just saw two of us yesterday. Yeah, I hung out with Love and Liz. I want to hear about the party. And it was so hard for me to not bring up the movie at the party. <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> I was there in spirit. Let me let me hear about it. You were there in spirit. It was fun. It's hard for me to be a host because I just I just sit there like i hope everybody's having a really good time and they're not secretly wishing that they had stayed home Aww. instead of driving two hours to sit <laughs> on my couch and watch twilight zone it's I, nice to be together i assume everybody had a really good time and enjoyed my chili 
Lots of good snacks. Also, there was an episode that was very trans and queer coded, and I called it out on that, and then we all enjoyed the episode a lot better, I'm pretty sure. Yes, that was that was a fun episode. Thinking about it from that perspective. It, yeah. Let me get that episode. Hold on. Yeah, I need the name. I'll put it in my list of 600 tabs. Twilight Zone episode about the man afraid to fall asleep because he will die. It makes me wonder if that could be like an episode of this podcast like just Twilight Zone episodes because technically he you could say he was murdered. You could. In his dream? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> episode 9 of season 1. <coughs> Shut up. I didn't ask for you. Did we watch nine episodes of the trial? We watched more than nine. <laughs> we skipped time Longer enough at then. last because I hate mm-hmm. that one. Makes me too and then the sad. One after that was I didn't realize the robot we were watching one, right? mm-hmm. I stayed with love because uh not with cousin love. <laughs> love in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the it's episode nine of season one. It's called Perchance to Dream. And if you watch the episode and think in yourself, the woman in his dream, just picture it in your mind, just choose and write in your brain that she is a trans woman. And that episode makes a lot of sense. Why are you afraid of dreaming about women? Mm-hmm. I'll give it a watch. I'm, I may have already watched it. one part... It. There's one part where they go into a haunted house together and they get surrounded by uh, by scary things and just that's the woman's non-binary friends and if you see them that way it just makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I want to watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, they fun. might still do this. Um, but did anybody used to watch Twilight Zone on New Year's when they would just on it? That oh my gosh, my oh, yeah. favorite. Oh yeah favorite that was like a yearly tradition at my house it was a yearly tradition oh. for me alone in my house <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay some of my earliest memories of new year's eve is sweet and sour chicken and twilight zone my earliest new year's memories are um from the year 1999 going into 2000 and we were all sick and they, you know, on TV, they were doing like huge oh, celebrations, right? For going into the 2000s. And I was fighting my sickness so hard to like try to open my eyes and watch the TV. <laughs> so probably like every half hour or so, I like would catch a glimpse and I, and that's my earliest memory. I don't think I have any New Year's memories that stand out. Oh no. We need to change that. Gotta make some. We were not a big holiday household oh. growing. We always did a New Year's. Oh, I did too. Always did a New Year's Eve. We would make pigs in a blanket. Yes. And nice. uh, we would ring my mom's 
grandmother's bells really loudly when midnight hit, really annoyingly mm -hmm. out on the front porch, we would <laughs> slam those bells. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we'd scream Happy New Year. It wasn't quiet. Aww. Do you remember how much you loved Pinks in the Blanket? The best. My mom will always remind me, like, anytime we were going to have a party at our house, you would always ask her, if, are we going to have Pinks in the Blanket? I miss them. <laughs> it's the one meat thing that I miss mm. because I, I, I can still make them with, like, veggie hot dogs, but there's not many veggie hot dogs it's and same. it's not the same. So yeah. You're going to have to go through the process of mini hot dogs. And oh, then... God. Only then. <laughs> That's the real horror of Halloween. The <coughs> struggle, friends. Oh, uh, yeah, we didn't mention. This is a Halloween episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing... Because I... Have been planning that party that you all were at last night for like a month now, and all of my emotions that I had built up for it have left my body, and I am exhausted today. Good for you. So I went down, I woke up this morning, I made my bed, I went downstairs, got coffee, and grabbed all of the leftover snacks and brought them upstairs and watched the entirety of the new show on Netflix that is The Fall of the House of Usher. Is it good? Mm. Uh, I, well, I am in love with Mike Flanagan, so it was amazing, but like... Everything he touched was gold. It was so good. Uh, to the point where, like, I was getting close to the end, and all I could think was, like, oh, my fucking God... Edgar Allan Poe would love this. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That strange, freaky little man would adore this. <laughs> I want to watch it. It's been on my radar for a while. Yeah. I know, it just came. You know, they've been mm -hmm. about it for a while. Mm-hmm. Did you say one time that's, like, your favorite short story or something? Or why am I making like having that memory no we've no. talked about the fall okay. of the, ho the house of usher a lot of times for some reason i'm not i've never been huge on poe uh probably just because i didn't go to school it wasn't like required mm. reading for me so i've been slowly incorporating him into my life at the ripe age of 29 tomorrow um, and watching this now, I feel like I need to be in my Edgar Allan Poe phase. Yes, your Edgar Allan Poe era. This is the time. You didn't Plus there's also get to be an edgy 13-year-old in public school who made <laughs> yeah. Edgar Allan Poe your whole personality in English class. So now's the time. Yeah, yeah. I was unfortunately more obsessed with H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Some of his stories are still like my favorite. Like my favorite one is uh, Dagon. So I just I I hold on to that and I separate Lovecraft from it and I'm just like yes, give me a strange goopy sea monster god. 
But I was talking about the fall of the House of Usher last year because T. Kingfisher released the book What Moves the Dead, which is a retelling of it. Yes. It's so good. I and queer. I need to read that. I'm going to add that to my list. I, I love her. She's so good. And by I'm going to add it to my list, I mean I'm going to go and get it right now. <laughs> but I can't say how because this is a public podcast. Yes, it's okay. Are you seeing your library card? The library! Wink, 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 wink. I mean, it is called library, so, I mean. Yeah. But uh, it's... Yeah. It is a queer book. The main character, uh, T. Kingfisher, made them trans, which is really cool. Good. But, like, trans in an interesting way of, like, they were born as a specific gender, but then they joined an army, and being in the army gives you a different type of pronoun. It's really interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Unrelated, but if you want a really good horror trans novel recommendation one of the best novels that i read this year is called tell me i'm worthless by allison rumpet i did read that that book messed me up it fucked me up i unfortunately i want to read it again because i don't know what parts of it i didn't like i think i read it too fast that was my issue this year is i've been reading books way too fast i it was good and it was written well, but I think it just freaked me out too much. I couldn't enjoy no, it. No, it freaked me out too. <laughs> That's why I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I want Another... to be fucked up. I want to be freaked out. Yeah. What read... is it? It's Tell Me I'm Worthless. Okay. Put that in my it's, cabinet. It's, it's Twilight Zone. a, a Man, good book. It's like there's the, the evil in the book is like a house possessed by just Nazism. Yeah. Oh no. It's really good. Another trans horror author is Haley Piper. Haley Piper. Haley Piper writes some fucked up shit and I love her. Trans people read, do everything um, better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The one that I read from her that I loved and I found out the other day that it's a series is uh oh, what is it? I gotta look it up. Hold on. Can't remember the pronoun. <laughs> the worm and his kings. Yes, yes, I loved that book. I'll read it. It was so good. The other one is your brain is a terrible thing, a terrifying thing. That one was cool. Same author. Yes. And then another trans author. Horror author is Eric LaRocca, which a lot of his uh, horror is just vibes, just bad vibes. <laughs> I read the first thing he published was uh, Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Talked or Spoken. And oh. I remember it's a short novella. I read it in about an hour and a half. 
And when I finished it, I immediately went to Archive of Our Own and found the fluffiest thing I could find because oh. I just I needed to heal. I really did. Oh. And that never really happens to me. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I yeah. think that I could probably just listen to you two talk all day and daily just the Christmas. And then I'll add it to my list. I'll read it right now. I love this. What am I reading right now? It's really good so far. It's, um, oh, shit. I'm not logged in. Hold on. I have to log into Goodreads real fast. Okay. Hold on, everyone. Oh, what's it called? Oh, there we go. It's called Last to Leave the Room by Caitlin Starling. I've heard of that. It's really good and queer, which is surprising and really nice. And um, it's really excellent because it's this, it's very House of Leavesy because basically, oh. and this doesn't spoil anything, the, there's, there's this woman and she has created, I, we don't really know what it is yet. I'm like a quarter of the way through the book and they really haven't described it well, but it's a new form of communication like a way to send data instantaneously and um yes and she's underneath a city working on this and then they find out that the entire city is sinking by like 27 millimeters every single week and they don't know why wow but then she goes home and she's like i can't tell anyone this but my basement is sinking by 27 millimeters per day just my basement and oh. it's it's expanding oh. and getting bigger and she doesn't want to talk about it to anyone and then she like is going crazy but also she's not it's really incredible so far so if you like house of leaves that ebooks really that's a good, good one oh, Rachel. <laughs> i have two more things to talk what? about rachel what? you are too close <laughs> to your so mic Maybe something unplugged. You got so loud. You're screaming. We hear like a lot of things <laughs> oh, other no. than your voice. Okay, hold on. Figure it out. All right, is it what better now? The, uh, yes. yes. It sounded like you were like walking next to your it's fridge and like opening. Down. Yeah, the, if you were going on like a yes. journey. Can you hear us? Hello. 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 Well, now you did something to your oh. audio, oh, I guess. Sorry, hold on. Okay. <laughs> I... Okay, how about now? Sorry. I accidentally yes. I changed my <laughs> headphones to my mic because it has a speaker, oh. which is not turned up. And so I that's why I couldn't hear anything. And okay. You probably heard okay. the same. Do I sound better now? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, I... so Caitlin Starling also wrote The Luminous Dead, which I loved okay it's this woman uh it's future that she's doing like a spelunking trip on like an asteroid or something and it's just her uh and somebody talking in her ears and it's also queer uh but she has to go down there alone and she doesn't know if she can trust the person guiding her she's feeling very weird it's just like there's a little bit of body horror and like she gets down there and it's just fucked um and then oh there was something else it's gone something else queer 
It's gone. <laughs> Boo. Or I guess maybe more specifically, the luminous dead is sapphic. Nice. Okay. Are we ready to move into the movie? Did we all check in? What? Hello? A in? I said, oh, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, okay. I said, are we all ready to move into the movie? Did we all check in? Oh, I just, uh, I just heard all check in. in. Oh, weird. I'm ready uh, whenever y'all are. Yeah, let's get into Phenomena by Dario Argento. And leading us through this <laughs> expedition is love. Hello. Clap, um, clap, 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 clap. Okay, so you can all hear me, right? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. if you ever can't, like if I cut off in the middle of a sentence or something weird, just let me know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, this is my third favorite film of all time. Um, it was I have my to know second. What the first two are. Yeah, it was my second, but uh, my first favorite was. Uh, I, I'm just going to say it still is because I don't think it can ever change is Labyrinth with David Bowie and oh, Jennifer yeah, Connelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. and then from 1986 and then my second favorite film is Everything Everywhere All at Once which nice, from nice, 2022 nice. is just such a phenomenal film. And then my yes. third favorite which was my second is Phenomena by Dario Argento also starring Jennifer Connelly but from 1985. <laughs> um I'll get into my love of Jennifer Connelly later, but I just want to talk about the idea of the film for a second. So if you've never yes. watched a Dario Argento film, he was a director. He still is a director, but we don't talk about that. He was a director in the 70s and 80s, most known for the original Suspiria and also known mm-hmm. for the Giallo films. So Giallo is mm-hmm. yellow in Italian. And Giallo is a genre of novel and film that is a murder mystery or a horror thriller. It is anything in it, it's for English speakers, it's known for Italian produced horror films, but in Italy and to Italian speakers, it's just any film that is a horror or mystery or thriller is a Giallo film. Um, but for us, mm-hmm. for the purposes of this, the giallo genre, especially in the 80s, included uh, a lot of Dario Argento. Um, there was a lot of like, oh, there was a lot of horror movies that had to do with like weird supernatural things, and they, those counted as well, like the movie Demons or <laughs> Demons 2. But this is only kind of touching on supernatural in this film we'll get there it is a murder mystery which fits the theme of the podcast and Mm -hmm. they had asked me what movie i wanted to watch for the halloween uh special when they asked me to be on it and i picked this one because it's just phenomenal (laughs) (laughs) oh you fit in perfectly well um so this movie is from 1985, and it's uh, starring Jennifer Connelly, Daria Nicolodi, and then a bunch of other people that don't matter. The reason that those two matter is because Daria Nicolodi was Dario Argento's wife, 
and she was in every film that he made until she died, which was pretty recently. And um, and even when they hated each other, which I think happened at one point, she was still in all of his movies. And um, then Jennifer Connelly. But they were in the middle of a divorce when they were filming this. Oh, wow. Which is very funny. <laughs> she still was in all of his movies after this. So yeah. like, it's just great. Commitment. Yes. Um, she was a great actress. Um, anyway, Jennifer Connelly, I am not going to say is a great actress, at least not at this point in her career, because you have to you have to no. think if you've ever seen Labyrinth with David Bowie, she's she has no character. She's very like, come on, feet. You have no power over me. And in this film, she's like, oh, I witnessed a murder, but I don't remember it. Oh, Inga, the monkey. Oh, I love insects. <laughs> it's just the exact same character. It's the same character put into yeah, a horror movie. Just, That's why I love it. Just a little bit softer. Yes, a I little softer. I feel like a, lot of, like a lot of the dialogue is delivered very softly and like... It's hard. Sometimes it felt like moments weren't given enough weight or almost like the lack of weight made them feel scarier sometimes. Yeah. I think that's just a Dario Argento mm. thing, though. Mm. It is. There's like a it, a dream quality to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like the words being spoken don't match up with faces and mouths in the way that you expect mm-hmm. them to. Which I have heard yeah. other people mention about his movies, or at least his early movies. How many movies did he make before this one? Do we know? Oh, many. Uh, this is probably. Oh, I can actually check that maybe. Uh... Something that was really important for me to point out is all of the credits at the beginning. Did anybody <laughs> notice that the, the costume music. design was by Giorgio Armani? Wow. Oh. No. <laughs> Did we see music by the goblin? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. This so is like good. the 25th movie he worked on, Jeez. but as far as directing, it was his ninth. Okay. It was mm-hmm. written, produced, and directed by him. I think it's the first okay. one that he did all three. Oh, okay. Another musical artist featured that really pointed out to me was Andy Sex Gang. Mm-hmm. and i made a note to myself to check that out later but i haven't yet (laughs) the music was so so all over the place but it somehow fit her like it just matched the other off vibe it was something it a lot of the movie, a lot of his movies used uh, goblins, mm-hmm. uh, goblin or uh, Claudio Simonetti's goblin, as it would later become known, um, because the band broke up into two facets, which was Claudio oh. Simonetti, who got a whole bunch of new musicians, and then Goblin, which was all of the rest of the people in the band. <laughs> and so Claudio <laughs> Simonetti, who was the leader of the original Goblin, said. I'm going to call my band Claudio Simonetti's Goblin. Anyway, I've seen them live. They're incredible. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He goes on He goes on tour and they play Dario Argento movies, but they do the score live. Oh, oh my gosh. That's yeah. cool. 
though I saw Profundo Rosso, which is also known as Deep Red. I saw uh-huh. that live. I want to see Phenomena live so badly. Um, anyway, uh, uh, yes. So, Goblin is excellent. They're they're very, very fun. And the music choices are just so wild. Um, not a, If you think that this movie was wild, I'm telling you that this is tame for the music in most of his movies. Like, in Profundo Rosso, there's this scene where this guy's like, I have to be really quiet. I'm walking through this house where there might be a murderer. And the music's just like, ba, 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 da, ba, ba, ba. And it's just going off. It's going off. And he's just like walking really calmly and quietly through a house. There's nothing chasing him. And the, the music's blaring. Oh it's incredible. It's such an well, incredible thing. That also happens in this movie a couple of times. There's like a creepy old house they keep going to. And the music playing that the first time they're in that house yeah. is Motorhead's <laughs> locomotive just blasting and I was like I I didn't know the song I looked it, looked it up because like what I was like what is what is happening what is this oh my god so yes Jalo films um they're all kind of weird, big sense of use of color, especially in Suspiria, but in this film it, it is definitely, I don't want to say more tame, because but Suspiria is very like, here's just random hot blue on somebody, or hot red. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's very like, oh, you know, just like bright light flashing on Jennifer yeah. to signify she's mm-hmm. in a dreamlike state or whatever. We'll get there. <laughs> um, so, after missing a bus in the Swiss countryside, this is how the movie opens, is this 14-year-old girl, who we find out is named Vera, tries looking for help. She's running after the bus. She's screaming, help me, I'm, don't, uh, don't leave me. And then she runs, she comes across a house. Um, she comes across a house and is immediately attacked by a stranger who I believe it's a knife. It might be scissors, but it goes through her hand. Am I correct? And yeah, scissors Mm -hmm. pierce her body. That's what I've written here. And she runs (laughs) up the side of a cave to a waterfall. She comes to a dead end and then she's beheaded. It's, it's, yeah, that happened. It's an opening. It it did. I, what I have written is like, how scary must it have been in a time before? cell phones because we're just so used to them now getting left somewhere you don't know where you are you are on foot you have no way to get a hold of anybody what do you do plus you go into this house and you're attacked by something the other thing i have is like just like stream of conscious like what is chained up what in yeah. this very quaint-looking yeah. mountain house is chained up? Because they show us flashes of <laughs> like somebody up very well. Uh, something pulling against chains that are in a wall. With like thumbtacks, <laughs> like yeah. not very secure. <laughs> yeah, they're just kind of like like eye hooks in the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not doing anything. Oh yeah, <coughs> and I just also just like. She's just decapitated all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In slow yes. motion. We get it in slow motion. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> but 
Well, they mm-hmm. don't really show it. They just more show us her head falling into the water. Yeah. <laughs> well, not, it's not funny. <laughs> after her head is cut off by scissors, we're assuming, mm-hmm. we're introduced to a chimpanzee named Inga walking yes. through the darkness and entering a room where Vera's case is being inspected by forensic entomologist John McGregor and police inspector Rudolf Geiger. John's room is surrounded by insects, and he is an expert in the life cycle of many different insects. They're talking about uh, Vera's case, and we also find out that Inga is John's nurse and friend, quote-unquote, and that his laser pointer will point at things he needs, and she'll get them. Um, Mm -hmm. From here is the first gross-out moment of the movie, there are many, which is the decaying head of the girl... Uh, we find out that it has been eight months and 15 days, don't forget, since the tourist had her head cut <laughs> off. That's what I have. This, I guess that was a quote. And 15 days, don't forget. Um, it's, you, see, you see the head. We, they show it. It's covered in maggots. It's disgusting. It's very gross. If, the ins- go ahead. If you've seen Hereditary uh, with uh, Charlie's head off with all the ants on it. It's like that. Yeah, yeah it's one of those moments. Spoilers for, sure. for Hereditary. <laughs> um, <laughs> the inspectors speculate that that means that she would have died between September 7th and 10th, and that it's eight months later and 15 days. They also speculate that the tourist is uh, but the first in a series of murders against young girls since John's former assistant Rita has also been missing for quite some time. Um, you get a lot of exposition right off the bat. Right right off the bat, we learn that there is a murderer. A there's no question about it and that they've been killing young girls. There's, like, no speculation. We learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Something we finally... else that was really important to me Yeah. Uh, in that severed head moment was that those are real maggots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Real bugs in this movie. I don't like that. All real bugs. <laughs> all real Paid bugs. actor bugs. I hope they all but. made a million dollars from each of them for the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bug money. Bug money. Meanwhile, we finally meet Jennifer Corvino. Jennifer Connolly, my queen. I have it all quotes. Uh, in all caps. <laughs> The daughter of a famous American actor who they wanted, fun fact, I guess we could say this later, but they wanted it to be Al Pacino, and he said no because he didn't have a daughter. So um, so they make someone up. And uh, she's in a taxi and with this woman. Her name is Frau Bruckner, and she introduces herself and she said she, that says that she'll help get Jennifer settled at this school. It's uh, the Swiss Richard Wa- Richard Wagner Academy for Girls on Richard Wagner's estate, apparently. Um, also, apparently, I just want to say she must be showing up for school in the middle of May based on it being 18 months and 15 days since the murder and the murder happened at the 7th of September. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if it's eight months and 15 days later, mm. it's the middle of May. So, like, it's just kind of strange that... You're showing up for school in the middle of May? Like, what What? What trimester is that? Um, doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Uh, Unless she's showing up at the end of the previous school year to settle in before 
the beginning of the next one? Maybe, but uh, th there's a scene where they're in a classroom around? at one point. I don't know. There are very <laughs> the beachy shirt. strange, the beachy shirt. <laughs> strange interactions in that classroom. Yeah. Um, in the car on the way there, a bee enters the car and everyone freaks out. Like, really freaks out. Like, a little dramatic. Like, so they freak much. out like she pulled out something very dangerous. Like a, a cobra <laughs> or like, I'm thinking, hornets. Or she, she opened her purse and hornets flew out. <laughs> like, they freak the fuck out. And she's just like, no, it's okay. It's, like, it's, okay. it's literally just like a bumblebee. And they're like, ah! <laughs> The car swerves on yeah. the road. And Jennifer very calmly says, Insects never hurt me. I love them. In that exact inflection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway... Shout out to the random voiceover by the man telling us all of this, uh, and 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 never comes back. No, and he never comes, comes back, back one other time. He comes back one other time, I think. When? At the when? end. Oh, does he? <laughs> no. No, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. There is they. It's nighttime now, and they just pull up to the school, and there is a voiceover that's like, and Jennifer blah 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 is entering a world of it's all like of that vibe like, oh it's gonna be narrated and then it nope. never comes back nope. never. now you get motorhead <laughs> in Real the Swiss Transylvania yeah. <laughs> is that response to bees like that typical of the time though because on like now most people are like oh it's a bumblebee it's a honeybee it's fine but i grew up even with my dad being super into bugs like i was always shown to be like afraid of bees huh. so and that was the 90s and oh. this is the 80s so have we just evolved as a society <laughs> as far Maybe. as bees are concerned Maybe. we're more people afraid Maybe. of bees it's possible. Yeah. I can remember being a little kid. I might have been like seven or eight. And being a strange child, I think I squished a bumblebee. Sadly, I apologize. I'm sorry. I wouldn't do it now, but I was a kid. Uh, and I can remember at some point being told that like when you kill one, they release a pheromone and it tells all the other bees to come and attack you. And so I killed it and then had a lot of anxiety about the fact that the entire hive of bees was going to come and kill me. Oh, no. <laughs> and yet this doesn't sound foreign to me. I've also heard that. I don't think mm -hmm. it's true. I don't. I, I don't either. I would believe it. <laughs> Go it might be true. I need to know. And if they release anything, it's probably like a pheromone to be like, danger, stay away. Not danger, come attack. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this moment where Jennifer pulls up to the school, the headmistress is looking out the, the, the window and she's so gorgeous and androgynous and I'm in love with her. Yes. I also, I, I don't, remember her name she is an ice queen so stony but she has the symbolism of a snowflake uh like t 
tie on her collar, and I, I liked that symbolism of like she is mm. puts up with no BS. And here she's got a snowflake. Ah. Good eye, good eye. Plus, did you look up the bee thing? Oh, um, they release like a cleanup pheromone, so like they'll come. It's like come clean me up because I'm dead. Aww. Aww. Aww, that is... Aww. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the headmistress places Jennifer in a room with Sophie, a chronic smoker, a non-stop smoker. <laughs> Sophie is obsessed with smoking. <laughs> That's what I've written. She yes. also... The, the people in Jennifer's school fall into two <laughs> categories. Obsessed with her dad and asks her very uncomfortable questions about him and hates her for no goddamn reason. That's it. That's the whole school. Yeah. That's the entire school. Sophie's like her one friend and she falls into the first category. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Like she's not even exempt. My next sentence is Sophie is obsessed with Paul Corvino. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She Jennifer's actor father. She finds out that Jennifer knows him and like the first question she asks is like, "Have you slept with him?" <laughs> Jennifer's like, "He's my dad." And <laughs> Sophie's just like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> And then she's like, do you remember the part where Sophie's like, uh, oh, Jennifer's like, yeah, my mother left when I was eight. And Sophie's like, you were seven. And Jennifer's like, uh, what? And she's like, you were seven. And I'm like, what? What that made me think of is uh, true crime things where there are people who know more about a case than the mm. people who experienced the case. And it's mm. like... Okay, I was seven. What difference does that make? So weird. Good thing this is fake true crime, right? Yes. <laughs> um, Sophie returns the hot gossip that Jennifer shares about her mother leaving by saying, by the way, there's a murderer around here. <laughs> and Jennifer's like, mother leaving was like... The, they were opening Christmas presents and her mom got a phone call and the phone call was from her lover and she just walked out the door <laughs> and her father's like the best Christmas present I ever got was your mother leaving like what are you talking about oh <laughs> like, it, that, I, that's almost word for word it literally is brutal um we find out Jennifer's exhausted and has maybe jet lag. And she's like, can we change the subject? I, can, I won't be able to sleep. And Sophie's like, okay, can I chain smoke and also watch the television while I fall asleep? And Jennifer's like, sure. Um, fast forward to the next scene. The television's on. There's a cigarette probably lit somewhere that Sophie fell asleep smoking. And then Jennifer begins to have a nightmare. Uh, or of, uh, but we don't actually know if she's dreaming of what's happening or if she's just tossing and turning in her sleep. But there's a jump cut to a girl running through the school grounds and entering one of the abandoned buildings that we are explicitly told all of them are decrepit. Do not enter any of them. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know what she's running from. And there's just really loud music playing. That's that song by Motorhead, I think, is playing at this Locomotive point. Locomotive by Loderhead. 
it's it's very loud and um Jennifer begins sleepwalking um and this is lit really well every time that she sleepwalks which is only a few times it's lit really well um she like sits up in bed and there's like this bright white light and it's like she's looking into a tunnel and it, it's very strange I don't really know what it's supposed to symbolize but she starts walking through the school and she ends up on the roof of that same abandoned building so she's looking into the window for no reason when the girl's head comes through and it's still attached to her body she's screaming and then this long pointed knife just gets jabbed through the back of her head and out her mouth and jennifer sees it and it's scary it's scary and it's like beautiful special effects (laughs) of this like spike being chucked and going through the back of her head out her mouth it pushes her teeth out of the way which is so realistic and gross to think about like but that would happen and i just Mm -hmm. i loved that part and needed to point out that her teeth it pushes her teeth forward i didn't i didn't notice that that's so crazy yeah that's Um, I love that you noticed that. Oh, actually, the song that's playing during that scene of the girl being chased is uh, Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden. Locomotive is later. Okay. It reminded me of Sonic Adventure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did me too. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm glad I'm not alone in that. (laughs) Um, So Jennifer, like, reacts to the scary thing because she sees it but she's still asleep so she turns and she keeps walking as if she's sleepwalking and then she falls off the roof um she still is not awake so she she becomes like half asleep where all of the buildings are like brightly lit up but she can kind of see where she is and then she's hit by a car or almost hit (laughs) it's kind of hard to tell but she's like hit by a car um these guys put her in the car. I have no idea why. They really shouldn't have. And she struggles, of course, and then flies out of the car and rolls down a hill. It's really weird. The whole scene there is very strange. And then uh, Inga's there in the woods and finds her and leads her to him. Um, that, thank you, The scene Inga. of her, them stopping and grabbing her and putting her there in the car, they like... It's like the, it feels like they expect her to like come partying with her. Mm-hmm. Like the one guy's like the pulling on her shirt and like telling her to calm down and just chill out. It's like you, I'm sleeping and you hit me with your car. What do you want from me? Right. It's very like yeah, they've got her in the front seat. It's a convertible and they're just being very creepy. And then she rolls out the car, and they're like, yes, she's dead. And then they don't go after her to check on her. <laughs> yeah. Um, they are not being linked to that. No. <laughs> we never Jennifer, see them again. No, they're gone. <laughs> uh, Jennifer says she doesn't remember anything to uh, John McGregor again. That's the entomologist guy, the bug guy. Um, And upon noticing the affection that his captive insects have for Jennifer, or just this one, McGregor comes to believe that she has some sort of affinity with them. He doesn't really speculate on this during this scene, 
Um, but he does notice it and he's like, this bug's acting as if it's mating, but it's not mating season. And she's like, huh, strange. <laughs> All bugs do that with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> I did pick up on the weirdness of that, but like, I didn't put it in my notes of just like, that's weird that I make all the bugs really horny <laughs> for no reason. <coughs> she got that good pheromone. <laughs> <laughs> the next day at the academy, the headmistress has Jennifer medically tested for EEG for her sleepwalking. Um, <laughs> this whole scene's wild. We'll we'll get into it, but uh, needless to say, the procedure makes Jennifer uneasy. Uh, she gets brief visions of the previous night's events. I have a quote, but I'll come back to it in a minute. I want to know what you have to say about this scene. It, for me, it was just like a very strange thing to just be like, I think the headmistress says something like, none of our girls have ever left the grounds at night. <laughs> but it, and then the next scene we see somebody doing that, mm -hmm. but yeah. It, yeah. it's very weird to be like, oh, you sneaked out and was sleepwalking apparently. Let's scan your brain. I think you've got multiple personalities. What? Yes. <laughs> You're not my doctor. <laughs> Uh, uh, go ahead. Mm. You go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. I was just going to quote the headmistress because she says, Do you suffer from epilepsy? Or do you take something like, do you understand, drugs? <laughs> <laughs> and then Jennifer's like, I'm not epileptic, I'm not crazy, and I'm not stoked. <laughs> oh, the writing's incredible in this movie. <laughs> Thank you, Dario Argento. You are a treasure. <laughs> By the way, just so you all know, a lot of his movies, I don't know about this one, but a lot of his movies, especially if they're all Italian actors, he would have them film them and then he would dub over them in English, even if they were speaking English during the recording. He would have them all redub <laughs> oh the God. lines in English. That's what I thought was happening because it just the it, one lady. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, why? Mm -hmm. But some of them, I guess, had heavy accents. Okay, and it does it. Whether it was like a conscious choice or not, it adds to that like strange, dreamy feel to it. Yeah. Because this movie... Okay. There's two things that this movie makes me think of. Uh, and I'll mention the second one later, because it's more obvious later. But, like, it it just feels like... Just... it It's so of its time. Of, like... Or maybe even, like, ahead of its time. It feels like old computer games. It, like... Mm. Especially, like... Yeah. Big, weird house. And also, there's a monkey here for some reason. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean? <laughs> and she can talk to bugs. Like, it just... It, it feels so... I don't know. Maybe I should just mention now. The other thing it makes me think of is specifically the clock tower. Yeah. The game, the clock mm. tower. Mm. Which... It's probably intentional on the people who made the clock tower. 
I would be shocked if it wasn't like yeah. a direct ref, like uh, what's and that thing called? Inspiration. I don't even think I'm the first person who noticed this. It's just like something that I pieced together of just like, this looks like the clock tower. That's so interesting. That's a good game. Mm-hmm. But I noticed it before we even got to the end with like the big thing that's like the clock tower. Just like the <laughs> the way it feels and Jennifer herself looks like the girl you play in Clock Tower. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. God. Big brain, big brain. <laughs> small brain. Very small brain. <laughs> these are obvious things to put together. <laughs> So Jennifer calls her father's lawyer, Morris Shapiro, from the fanciest phone booth I've ever seen, but she can't get through to him because he's celebrating Passover. She wants to leave the school, but she has to wait. Oh, so I'm going to pause here and Mm -hmm. say that this is actually a discrepancy if we are to believe that this happened in the hypothetical year of 1984 or 1985. Because in 1984, Passover happened between the 16th and 24th of April. And in 1985, it happened between the 5th and the 13th of April. We know that it has been eight months and 15 days since Vera's death. And we have to be in late May. He is not celebrating Passover. Anyway, I just need to point that out. I I need to. (laughs) I'm so glad you caught that. Honestly... (laughs) I love continuity errors and I love finding Mm -hmm. them I've been a continuity expert on a couple small independent films and shit like Mm. that I'm like uh uh you can't do this so I I catch them now because I did it a lot of small little continuity errors in this movie that I noticed just like stupid things like her hair looks different in that shot than the previous one, (laughs) even though she's in the same position. Like, the first time she sleepwalks and she sits up, her hair is over her shoulder, and then we uh, cut away and we cut back to her, and her hair is on either side of her shoulders. (laughs) It just took me out of the moment a little bit. Maybe she shook out her head a little bit. I can enjoy things (laughs) easily because I don't notice these things that's good <laughs> i'm glad for you keep it that way what yeah. i wish i wish sometimes i wish i did these things i wish i was i wish it was easier for me to pay more attention to the detail noticing out but i feel like i also uh, have an easier time to, you know, oh yeah that's so good because i don't have to be taken out of the moment or think about side things That night, Sophie sneaks out to see her boyfriend, the most boring man, and the murderer chases after Sophie, uh, mistaking her for Jennifer as she's wearing the same sweater Jennifer wore the night before when she witnessed the prior murder. Wow. Yeah, well, she says, do you like it to the her boyfriend? She's like, do you like it? It's Paul Corvino's daughter's <laughs> sweater, and it's the same one. She's my roommate. Um, yeah. She sleepwalks. And he's like, what's she like? Is she sexy? <laughs> like, it's oh also a God. thing of just like you say, he's the boring, the most boring man ever. They also, they make out for 
two, they don't even make out. They kiss for five seconds, and he's like, I have to go. <laughs> Why did he come all the way out? <laughs> I don't like. Did he give a reason for why he has to leave? I'm sure, but and then. Sh- yeah, he was like, "I have to go to military <laughs> school in the uh, morning" or something like that. It's just so dumb. And then she's mad at him because he's leaving, which like, sure, whatever. I sneaked out of school, but I. I feel like in they that broke moment, up. Yeah. yeah. I actually had yeah. I felt I had written in my notes that they broke up, and I was like, I don't want to be so dramatic as to say they broke up just because she told him to fuck off. But like, it felt it, like that. It felt very much like okay, we kissed for five seconds, and you can't even stay another five seconds to kiss me. Like I sneaked out of my very strict boarding school that thinks nobody ever sneaks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm showing you Paul Corvino's daughter's sweater, and you're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Does she say fuck you? Yeah. She does. Oh, she, she does. does? Yeah, I think she specifically goes, she does. fuck you. <laughs> Have fun in military school. And then he, like, smiles at her, and it's very weird. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you? That's, he's, he's so boring. He's so not attractive looking. He's just too. a white dude um, with blonde hair. He's probably six feet tall. 5'11". Yeah. 511. <laughs> um, Jennifer starts sleepwalking mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. but she st- she kind of wakes herself up because, and I didn't really mention this, but I guess it's relevant enough. Uh, McGregor, the, the entomologist, had told her to tell herself, I am sleepwalking, I must wake up whenever she notices that she's, uh, or like I'm sleeping or like I'm dreaming, something like that, so that mm-hmm. she can kind of break herself out of it. And uh, she's like, I won't need that. I'll never sleepwalk again. And then she sleepwalks again. And so she tries to, like, wake herself up. um, And she's, like, at the door. And she can't seem to get it open. And then she, like, is like, no, I'm not going outside. And then she hears a scream uh, from Sophie getting killed by the killer. And um, she goes to the window. She looks out. Nobody wakes up to Sophie's scream. I need to emphasize nobody wakes up to the loudest scream I've it's ever loud. heard. Jennifer goes outside. She finds a glove that has maggots on it. Hate she it. goes back inside and then she, she the looks glove. at the maggot. The, what? By a firefly. A yeah. firefly leads her to the glove. Oh, yeah. you're right. She's led to the glove by a firefly, which is the scene of Sophie's death. I don't think she finds the body. She finds this glove. She goes back inside and she screams because the larvae, the the (laughs) maggot, starts showing her images in her mind of Sophie's dead body. She screams. It's definitely not as loud as Sophie's death scream. And everybody wakes up in the entire house. Yeah. Yeah. And then ends Um, the only person who was, like, kind of nice to Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Who was yep. supposed to be watching her to make sure she didn't sleepwalk. Yeah. But she left to go see the most boring man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Jennifer's on a bus writing a letter to her father. This is important for the scene after. We'll come back to it. She shows it to McGregor, who identifies the maggots as the larvae of the great sarcophagus flies, which are drawn to decaying human flesh. He theorizes that then... 
Um, unlike the Wikipedia, which had said that it was earlier in the movie, he theorizes this at this point that Jennifer has some sort of psychic connection with insects and that the killer is also a necrophile who has been keeping his victims close to him post-mortem, unintentionally collecting the maggots on himself. Both of these things happened during this scene. Yeah, very Trigger warning at gagging sounds um, because <laughs> I don't. I have very specific fears. I was having a bad time with all of these maggots. <laughs> I understand. Um, back at the school, after this scene, uh, the other students taunt Jennifer in her room when she's not there over her sleepwalking and her screaming, as well as over her connection to insects. And they find a letter, the, not the, I guess not the same letter she wrote to her father, but it's unclear she had been writing letters to him. And th th this one girl starts quoting the letter directly. I didn't write down what she said, but she was making fun of mm -hmm. Jennifer saying, the bugs listen to me when I tell them what to do. And um, now comes the best sequence in the entire film, which is the students going up to Jennifer and pretending to be different insects. Like, I'm a mosquito. I'm a black widow. I'm a fly. I'm a bumblebee. And... They start running around her and saying what they are, and then they go, We worship you! We worship you! We worship you! It's so good. It's such a good scene. I've, written, I've drawn pieces of art about this scene. I love this scene. And then, and then, Jennifer walks away, looks at them. This beautiful light comes onto her face. This mm -hmm. fan starts going behind mm -hmm. her. She's crying and smiling. And then she says, I love you. I love you all. I love all of you. And as she does this, 10 billion flies start <laughs> banging against the glass of all of the windows of this building, trying desperately to get to her yeah. and to maybe kill the people inside. I really want to know so if they scary. would have killed the people inside. And everyone's like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then she faints. I wrote it's in my notes. an incredible scene. For like, from her perspective, here's four billion flies because you bullied me and now I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> The next morning, like, convinced that... Go ahead. No, go ahead. The strangest way to bully someone, just saying, we worship you. We worship you. I'm a was, fly. I'm just a bug. And it's just like... It's so good. Just targeting this one girl, just because she's a little weird and doesn't like being at the school. Like, okay. Jeez. Why you don't mess with the weird girl? Yeah. Flies will eat you. So true. The next morning, convinced that Jennifer is quote-unquote diabolic and possibly responsible for the killings, even though she wasn't there eight months beforehand when the first one died, the headmistress arranges for her to be transferred to a mental hospital. Jennifer flees to McGregor's home where the entomologist is like, this makes no sense, why would you have been here? And then gives her a glass case with a great sarcophagus fly, suggesting that she use it to find the murderer's lair, because as we found out earlier, the murderer keeps the bodies on them, and this is a fly 
that had been a larva on Vera's corpse. Oh. Does that make sense? Because I I was a little unsure as to, like, why this one specific fly was going to bloodhound its way to (laughs) that house. Yeah, well, they're drawn to dead bodies, and so... Uh, even if it wasn't a larva or maggot that was on Vera's corpse, although I think it was, even if it wasn't, apparently the great sarcophagus fly, if there's a big enough smell of bodies, which if this killer keeps all of the bodies near him, this fly would smell that and want to Because how many, how many dead bodies did they pass on just the bus ride over? True. That's true. At but least he's also one. the greatest detective, Mr. Dr. McGregor says. The fly? The greatest detective to, you know, says the, or something like that. The two yep. greatest detectives are going to yep. check it out. <laughs> you and this fly. And little fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's like, how am I supposed to find it? It could be anywhere. And he's like, not anywhere on this one specific bus route. So Jennifer gets on the bus with a fly in her lap and has the window open, and this woman, shout out to the aggressive woman on the bus who wants Jennifer to close the window even though it's not bugging her, and Jennifer says no, and then once she gets off the bus, she runs to the back of the bus to aggressively shut the window and angrily stare at Jennifer. Yeah! Yep, yep, yep. Great moment. Great moment. Oh, so the fly leads her to the same cottage that uh, Vera had found earlier in the movie. And it's empty. Nobody's there. Jennifer's walking around. The the fly is going crazy. And then all of a sudden she's in a closet and this one dude is like, why are you here? And she's like, I was looking for someone. And he's like, who? Nobody lives here. Nobody's lived here for eight months and everyone's like whoa and (laughs) so she runs away and then detective geiger comes up and to talk to this guy we find out i guess he's the real estate agent and he's like and he's like i can't tell you who lived here beforehand and geiger's like yes you can i'm a cop and then throws his badge into the camera to end the scene um (laughs) But, by the way, the fly lands on a decapitated hand in the house, so mm-hmm, there was mm-hmm, a body mm-hmm. there. With maggots on it. Mm. With maggots on it. That night, John McGregor is uh, at home when Inga gets locked out, and he is heading down the little elevator on his staircase in his wheelchair. He's wheelchair-bound. I, it hasn't come up, but he is. In order to let her back in, his wheelchair elevator stops moving and he's like what's going on and then he like sees a shadow of a person so he like shines his red pointer light that he used to help Inga get things for him Mm -hmm. in the face of this killer and he can't see who it is because they have like a thing over their face and you see the eye underneath mesh lit up in red and it's really spooky um and Inga's like banging at the glass (laughs) trying to break in because she's like, something's wrong. And uh, then he's stabbed by coming down the elevator with the knife out in front in order to stab yeah. into him when he reaches it. I'm going to do it, my thing and victim blame the monkey. <gasps> uh, okay. Just, just, just because she is... 
banging against that window. Like, we, listen, we have had cases where these creatures, I know she's like a, not a monkey, she's a, a chim. She's an ape. An ape, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've seen those things eat people's faces off. She uh, probably doesn't want to break the door. She could have gotten through that door. I have accidentally broken window glass by just <laughs> tapping my knuckle against it. She was yeah. slamming her big, strong monkey fists on it. She could have done more, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Try harder, Doesn't she, doesn't she break the glass? She gets in eventually. She does get in eventually, but it's too yeah, late. Yeah, she gets in. She was trying. Also, uh, I'm not gonna victim blame Inga. I love Inga. That's my She's angle. My is that I victim blame things now? There's a bag over <laughs> your head. Put a hole in it. Um, the other, the other thing, uh, when they are removing the doctor's body from the building because he's dying, that is when locomotive by Motorhead plays. Mm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, such a powerful scene for that song to play. Um, so, Inga goes on to his lap and is, like, trying to wake him up. He's dead. Um, and then uh, you see his body getting taken out. Nobody knows where Inga is or cares. And with nowhere left to go, Jennifer calls her father's lawyer, Morris Shapiro, again to take her back to America. She's waiting inside of this bank money to be transferred so she can buy a ticket for anything to happen and then um what's her name Bruckner from earlier the one that was in the taxi cab that mm -hmm. is played by Daria Nicolodi by the way mm -hmm. um that's who that is um she comes up to Jennifer and she's like oh hey your uh your father's lawyer Morris called me and said uh that I'm able to give you the money to get a ticket and give you a little extra cash just to get by and to you know just make sure that you get on the plane okay and jennifer's like i'm fine with that that's really cool of you when's the plane and she's like tomorrow at noon every other plane left for the day and jennifer's like i'm not going back to that school i'm not staying at that school and bruckner's like oh that's fine you can stay with me so they go to bruckner's house and all of the mirrors are covered. And Jennifer's like, why are all of the mirrors covered? And Bruckner's like, I have a son. He's very ill and he doesn't like to see his reflection. He drives me crazy. I feel like I might be going insane. And it's like, what? What? She just like goes off. She just like randomly just like goes off. It's went from 1 to 100 very quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Bruckner insists that Jennifer take pills before she goes to bed, citing that she must be, like, tired or, like, anxious or, like, whatever. She, like, gives her these pills and she's like, you have to take them. And Jennifer's like, okay, well, it's nice of you. I might as well. So she takes one of them and then she goes into the bathroom. But she starts to feel weird, like shaky, dizzy. And so she um, she assumes that they might be poisonous. And then she, this scene is really rough. She starts drinking cups and cups of water mm -hmm. and then forces her fingers down her throat yeah. to cough up the pill. 
it's it's messy. It's 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 not fun to watch this scene, and I don't enjoy it. No. <laughs> also, while it's happening, while this is happening, Bruckner starts losing her fucking mind because she's banging on the bathroom door mm-hmm. and screaming mm-hmm. at Jennifer to open the door, and it's very uncomfortable. Um, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah, that's a fun part of the movie. Um, Jennifer throws up the pill and then walks out of the bathroom as if nothing happened, and Bruckner's like, did you take the pill? Did you take the pill? <laughs> and Jennifer's like, doesn't talk to her and Bruckner storms into the bathroom and Jennifer goes up to the phone that's right next to the bathroom door and starts dialing. <coughs> and Bruckner like walks up, noticing she didn't take the pill and like slams her hand down. It's like, who are you calling? And Jennifer's like, whoever I want. And then uh, then Bruckner like knocks her out, like knocks her unconscious and like chokes her and like all of this really weird stuff. Um, And then like, you know, she's unconscious and Jennifer's unconscious because she's screaming for help before she gets knocked out. She was trying to make a phone call. Bruckner takes the phone and locks it in a room that Jennifer can't access. And then, fun fact, everyone, she just releases all of these metal cages over the windows so that Jennifer can't escape the house. <laughs> that so is very... Um, survival horror of her mm-hmm. just to be like I'm gonna press this button and we're locked in now I hated that <laughs> it's terrifying um and then Jennifer's unconscious in this room and it cuts to Detective Geiger who had been doing a lot of behind the scenes work there's a very quick kind of boring scene where he's at a mental institution and he's like I wonder if somebody broke in instead of broke out. And we're left to wonder what that means. And um, he starts to question Bruckner, who confirms that she had worked at the mental hospital and that she had been sexually assaulted of some sort. We're not really sure what. The Wikipedia says that she was, like, sexually assaulted, but we don't actually know if it was sexual. I don't know if she clearly defines that or not. I don't know. Um, it's heavily implied I, 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 that was she was point. assaulted and then gave birth to mm-hmm. whatever she gave birth to. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it, this was that part of the scene where I was like, I was on my like second rewatch of it for this. And I was like, I don't need to hear this again. So I fast yeah. forwarded through I it understand. and then I <laughs> forgot it and I didn't take notes. So, yeah, I guess she was like. <laughs> She was she was impregnated, we'll say, and then uh, she had her son, the one that we've learned about, and uh, it was 15 years before, and then she leads Geiger to the basement and imprisons him. Um. Anyway, after waking up, Jennifer engineers her escape through the basement. She's trying to get to the phone. She can't get to the phone. It's a very tense scene where we don't really kind of know if she's going to get caught. Um, And then, because, you know, we don't know where uh, Bruckner is. We don't still really know what's going on, if she's the killer, if she's, you know, what's happening. Uh, And and, uh, then we, um, Jennifer ends up in the basement. There, she finds Geiger and 
falls into the pool filled with maggot-infested corpses. Yay! Horrible. Uh, It's literally just like an in-ground basement pool full of maggots. And bodies and pus and blood and we don't know what else. Maggot and flesh soup. (laughs) It's the bog of stench from Labyrinth. But in this world. And she's mm-hmm. struggling, and my notes is just all caps. It's like, no, not the maggot water. Stop going under the maggot water. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. She keeps like slipping and falling back into it, which is the worst part. So it's everywhere. It's in her mouth, it's in her nose. Oh. Do I remember correctly that Geiger like rips his hand out he of like the, the the he breaks his thumb to like rip his hand out of like yeah, handcuffs yeah, yeah. or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't yeah. watch that. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this movie it was like it call it like it's weird and eerie and it's got its moment, but like the last ten minutes is like f- fucking. I took speed and everything is happening right yes. now and everything is at 50 and 100 it and I have no brain. mild, mild up until this point. Like, I yeah. can handle it. It yeah. was fine. It's a slow burn until <laughs> this moment. <laughs> we didn't even get to the worst part yet. <laughs> we, like, I don't even know how to tell you that we didn't get to me. What the worst part of the movie oh. is yet. And so what happens next is uh, uh, Bruckner taunts Jennifer from inside the pool because uh, Jennifer's can't get out and Bruckner's standing at the top it's of so it. It's so unhinged. And then Geiger too. frees himself. And, yeah, it's so unhinged. She's like, ah, you can't get out. It, it's, it's, it's like it's Kicking impossible to describe what's stuff. happening here. <laughs> and then... When Geiger breaks his thumb and frees himself from these handcuffs, he furiously beats Bruckner long enough to let Jennifer escape. Mm -hmm. Jennifer finds Bruckner's son, who has a hideously deformed face, and he starts chasing Jennifer with his, like, knife spear, and he tries to kill her. Okay, and then there's they're like, on a boat. I, I, I. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so Jennifer, they're they're like underground in like this weird tiled like subway pool area. Uh, it feels like yeah. uh, liminal space, dream water, whatever. Just disgusting. Um, and she hears crying. She's running through a hallway and she, she hears crying and she goes to the door and she's like, it's okay. We've stopped your mother. We know she was evil and it's okay now. And like picture like Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil, you're just with the zombie and it does the turn. That's like the scariest thing that ever happened in the 90s. Um, yeah, it's exactly that. Or the Courage the Cowardly Dog episode where he's in that house in the New yeah, York yeah, episode yeah, yeah. and there's the girl playing the violin and then she turns around and it's yep, the scary thing. That's my favorite thing. I remember exactly the moment I saw that as a child and being like, oh God. So it's it, it's like that. She's gently talking to this child and the it's like, it's a seven-year-old, it's a child, um, turned to the wall. Uh, crying. Crying, like weeping, sobbing. And then it turns around, and it's just 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's got like I have mandibles. Scary little puppy face in my notes. It's got mandibles and it the eyes look all weird and uh starts chasing after her and it's the single most scary thing I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> yep. And so he chases her onto a motorboat, uh-huh. according to my notes, and he tries to kill her with his <laughs> knife spear, which perforates the boat's fuel tank and causes a leak. Jennifer, in her wise insect world, summons a swarm of flies that attack the child, causing him to fall into the water. Jennifer's also forced to jump into the water as the, the gas ignites whereupon the child grabs her but he gets killed by the flames and she doesn't and uh that's 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 that um okay the other thing that makes this like clock tower for me is specifically the deformed seven-year-old child is the scissor man it's just the scissor man yes even dressed like the scissor man the people who made Clock and Tower. Scissors at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, the people who made the game, the Clock Tower, watched Dario Argento's, Argento's phenomena and said to themselves, How do I make this very weird movie weirder? So, now comes the worst part for me, because I screamed, which is Jennifer reaches the shore. Just as Morris appears, Morris being her dad's mm-hmm. lawyer. Us, and then he's like, Jennifer, I'm here. Jennifer. And then Bruckner, who's injured and disfigured, decapitates him with a metal sheet. Yes. And he just like dies yeah. immediately. Yeah. And, and it's out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It terrified me the first yep. time I saw this. It, I screamed. Yep. I screamed this time. It's horrifying. I probably screamed also. And it's like <coughs> so hard to convey in words. Just like the last 15 minutes of this movie are just a roller coaster. <laughs> so much happens. Because you think that Bruckner's dead. You yeah. think yes. that something's happened to her and she's done. And that the child was the last one. And then he dies, she comes back onto the shore, and then all of a sudden there's Bruckner again, who fucking kills Morris with just immediately. He doesn't know he died. That's the thing. He has no idea. And um and then she starts to confess. She's like, I murdered McGregor. I murdered Geiger. Uh, and, and 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 she's just like, I'm gonna kill you now, Jennifer. Even though my son's dead, I'm gonna kill you. And as she's saying this, before she can murder Jennifer, who at this point is like, I, I, you know, kill me. I mean, she doesn't say that, but, you know, she's probably feeling that way. Inga shows up out of nowhere <laughs> and attacks Ruther and kills her with a straight razor. And it's also very grotesque to watch. <laughs> and it's in retribution for McGregor's death. Mm-hmm. And then with the ordeal over, Jennifer and Inga embrace, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> A happy yes. ending for everyone. Um, yeah. uh, and that's Phenomena by Dario Argento. <laughs> Yay! Okay. 
earlier in the film, Inga had the great razor and McGregor scolded her and do not ever pick this up mm-hmm. again. Do not. This is not safe. Do not pick this up. And oh yeah, Inga picked it up one more time. Does that mean? And then threw it. <laughs> yeah, she looks sad after. Yeah. Partner's dead. Like she realizes what she did. Uh, when me and Blaze finished it, we thought that the kid was killing. Like the kid was chained up and did the first couple murders, and then the mom was killing yes. to protect him at the end. But did Inga see Bruckner? Is that her name? I th- um, I think Inga did. Okay, so at that point, oh yeah, she killed McGregor. Okay, okay. We said that she. So, a couple of, or just one, one fact about this movie that might interest you all is that Jennifer McConnell, uh, Jennifer Connolly, sorry, uh, Jennifer Connolly has blocked this movie from her memory because she said that she absolutely hated it and that she was attacked by the monkey <gasps> that portrayed Inga several times oh, no. and that uh, there was a lot of things that went wrong on this set that. Uh, she was either blamed for or just like could have hurt her and there was no safety measures and so she doesn't talk about this film which stinks because I truly love this film Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the best pieces of film ever made and it's it's terrifying it haunts me it haunts my dreams sometimes Um, and uh, it's a shame because you know it's young Jennifer Connelly. She wasn't in... She was in a lot of films. She still is. But she wasn't in that many during this very particular time period of her life. Mm-hmm. I think there's like three mm-hmm. or four films yeah. that happened total at this age range. And I love her at this age range because she's still like not a good actor. And so she plays the same character in all the films, which I love a lot. Um, which is why Labyrinth is my favorite film. And so, uh, you know, it, it stinks to me that, like, this very, like, this very, uh, um, um, what, how do I want to put it? Like, life-changing film for me is something that she doesn't like or look back on with any sort of, like, joy in her heart. Because that's a shame for me, I think. Yeah. That, that is hard. Um, when you appreciate something so much and you want to dive in so deep and you want to know more about it and the people involved want nothing to do with it and refuse to talk yeah that's also like why actors rights are important Mm. (laughs) can't be letting chimps attack your actors but yeah, I agree. There's definitely things that I've really enjoyed where the person who made it or was a part of it has said that it's awful and they hate it. And But to me, in my brain, it's like, just, just I love it. What do you mean you hate it? You made it. <laughs> yes. Do you guys think this movie would be different if the bugs all had voices? Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Someone needs to dub over it immediately. Please. I want that so badly. <laughs> if I could have a little like 30s detective voice. <laughs> the last two things that I wanted to point out when Jennifer is climbing out from the underground area there's this like beautiful wailing music playing and it's uh, a song called The Wind by Goblin and then the ending yeah. theme it, which is just also gorgeous is the song Phenomena by Claudio Simonetti the theme song to this film is absolutely stunning yeah. Like, despite the fact that this music is a choice for this movie, it's all great music. Are you going to say more? Me? No. Oh, no, no, no. I just okay. liked the music. <laughs> this was a fun movie, though. I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I think I had more fun talking about it. I, at the end, I was like, huh, well, I'm excited to hear what we all have to say. <laughs> I was afraid going in because I don't like watching like horror movies alone, and I mm. didn't plan it so that I could watch it with Brandon because of our schedules. Mm. And I was really afraid going in. I just can't stand it. And then I was pleasantly surprised for most of the movie <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, I can tolerate this. Yeah. I can do yeah. this. Like this is this is enjoyable. Like I, I feel the suspense, but I'm fine. And then it all went downhill. Yeah. Which it made it like it was it was very intense. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it because of that, but I was like, whoa, I was way too confident for most of this movie. <laughs> yeah. It it lulls you a little bit. And yes. just, I do watch most horror movies by myself. Like, my favorite thing to do when a horror movie comes out in theaters is go watch it by myself. Like, that's what I did with the yeah, new the Evil Dead movie. And I had a blast. And I saw also Talk to Me, which was really fucking scary. But, like, this movie, I'm not afraid of bugs. I'm not afraid of bugs. It's not the bugs mm -hmm. that scared me. It was just... It's just the concept of maggots everywhere on everything that I don't like. Yeah. Do you remember your first experience with maggots? No. I know why I'm afraid I... of them, though. What do you want to share? Okay, so uh, there's a movie. There's uh, the movie. Not the new Boogeyman, because there's a new movie that came out. There's Stephen King's Boogeyman. The old Boogeyman movie, which is a good movie, has a less good sequel. And there's a part where there's a girl in the movie who is either a junkie or she cuts herself. And so she's got scars on her wrists. And what the Boogeyman does is make you hallucinate so that you hurt oh, yourself, no. basically. And there's just a scene of her, like, she can't move her arms, and they're full of open wounds, and there's just oh, big, no. fat 
Oh no. Grub like no. maggots. No! Eating her skin and going <gasps> in under her skin. You're still going. <laughs> well, that's the thing that really grossed me out was that they were going oh, in no. under her oh, skin. No. <laughs> my goodness. Oh my gosh. Wow. Now everyone has experienced this. Well, my so that's where my phobia started. This is where my maggot phobia started. Um, probably doesn't help that I also have trichophobia, so it kind of combines mm. with this. Because my first maggot experience, I think it was when I think I still lived in New York, so I was probably like six or seven. And I don't know why it was like a group project to go out to the dumpster. Oh, no. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it was like our trash can. Maybe it wasn't. Anyway, I don't know when it happened. Anyway, uh, I remember we lifted up the lid. Mm, It was covered. I don't have a a big trash can um, that you roll out right now because I live in an apartment. We have a shared dumpster. But when I go to my mom's house, every time I am afraid to lift the lid to oh. take something out to the trash can because of this. Because we lifted the lid. It's absolutely covered. Oh my god. It was horrific. Covered in maggots. I think... And that's what I think of. Yeah, I think my first experience with maggots was probably something similar. Uh, when I was a kid, we had like a five fifty gallon uh, garbage can in our kitchen. And it was a hot summer day, and it just maggots all over the kitchen floor. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. In my house? Oh, jeez. Yeah. They were inside. Me and Miss Trudy had to clean them up. Oh, no. It was not fun. I'm so sorry. And then I watched Boogeyman 2, and it... Oh, no. <laughs> this is just horrible. Uh... I did note that in around the magazine, probably when she was kept pushing her down back in the maggot pit, um, the evil laugh that Frau Bruckner had was really good. Yes. 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 Such a good evil laugh. Maybe we can stick it in the podcast. <laughs> I can. I can do that. It was so yeah. good. Something that I wanted to say, uh, unrelated to the maggots, because I don't remember my first maggot story, although I don't like them either, is um, I I found this incredible uh, article actually from this year in May called Phenomena in the Unconventional Femininity of Jennifer Corbino. (laughs) And... uh, it's a really, really good, just one of those like internet articles that's on like filmcred.com. I don't know like, you know, how viable they are, but it's really well written. And it's basically kind of talking about the idea of feminine power through witchiness and how up until this point in horror and into the future of horror, a lot of characters like Jennifer would, would not have remained the heroine they would have been punished for having mm. power and for having, mm. you know, and for being a witch and for being able to do things like what Jennifer can do. They would yeah. have been relegated either into some sort of monster 
or become the hapless victim of the killer in order to uh, find solace in their power. And in this movie, Jennifer lives to the end. She's the final girl. And she maintains her power. It's not like she's stripped of Mm -hmm. her power either. She maintains that through and into whatever her future is. And that's very powerful because it wasn't really a thing that was being done in film for women at that time. And it's that's so cool. It's something you see even now in movies and books and things. It's just so stupid. Like, ugh. I don't want to name any specific books off the top of my head, but like, you don't have to be so that. Yes. Um, I'll actually read this one quote from the article. Um, So I guess we'll put a link to it in the show notes or something. But in a decade of backlash against marginalized individuals, including women, it's a provocative and empowering role, decidedly ahead of its time. It wasn't until the mid to late 90s that the trend of feminine empowerment returned with the witch archetype as evidenced in The Craft and Practical Magic. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and then it talks about, like, Jennifer's body as well and, like, mm-hmm. the idea of feminine power in that movie. But, yeah, it's just a really good article, and I definitely wanted to bring it up because I was like, yeah, I've, I haven't thought of it from that perspective, but I think that it's a good one to think of it yeah. from. When you think of, like, the time period in which this was happening especially like Dario Argento's other movies, if you've seen any of them, it's a lot of just, and not in a bad way, but it's a lot of women dying because he was kind of obsessed with that. And it's, there's men that die too, but they die in a very distinctly different way, especially if you see like Suspiria or Profondo Rosso or even like Inferno, like all of these movies before Phenomena, there's a lot of just like, women death men live and in this film none of the main men live and only jennifer does and it's very powerful in that way yeah mm-hmm. hmm. that's so cool to think about you'll have to share that article i want to read it yes please do yeah absolutely Bye. um and the next time many whenever moon from now that we do another Dario Argento movie it will be opera so I uh, recommend not seeing that before we do that but that's my other favorite movie of his like my seventh favorite movie of all time maybe sixth but it is one of the best films also that I've ever seen the ending fucks me up the ending with this one fucked me up the ending with that one fucks me up in an entirely different way and i cry i cry every time i watch it Uh, the great film anyway i think we're going to have to do that uh, before uh, halloween i don't think i can wait that long (laughs) maybe post pushing that's fair okay Mm. oh the (laughs) yeah that would be that would be So yeah, any other thoughts on Phenomena, your feelings on the characters, your feelings on the buzz before we... There was a lot of really good, like, cinematography close-ups of all of the bugs. I really Mm -hmm. like that, and I... 
I like the character of Jennifer, but I've, I feel like I would have liked to see her be more of a character, but that's just like my own weird little hang up. I understand like this is how Dario Argento movies work. So it's mm, not really like yeah. an actual critique. It's just more just like a she's she's weird in a very specific way. I wouldn't bully her as <laughs> savagely as uh, her school does. Like they just decide I'm they hate her. It's I'm the weirdest thing ever. And there was we worship you. We worship. <laughs> there was one hundred percent more maggots than I ever want to see in a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's relatively normal, maybe just in our realm, uh, to be a buggy person now, and we can all appreciate True. the buggies. Yes, but that if it's outside of our circle, like if if the world is just more bug loving now um i feel like it would have been received slightly yeah. different than like the bugs would have been more horrifying than maybe i mean even now like i'm not a big fan of a bug swarm mm. but <laughs> you know i think bugs are cool and i still get scared by a big spider but i also love them and give them their space however there i feel like there were a lot of uh scary bug movies in the past and uh, mm. maybe viewers would have more so agreed with her classmates and be like she is a weirdo <laughs> she controls bugs I don't know I, I would have to talk to people who watched it in that time I'm just uh, yeah it, it makes sense because that's not something that's like uh put into us as like a feminine thing like girls don't like mm-hmm. bugs what are you talking about like because i mm-hmm. i was that weird girl i i love bugs and i like snakes and i love spiders and i've gotten comfortable with camel crickets because they're at work and i don't want to kill them because they're just in their own space but like i was that weird girl so like that was like it's just that thing of like that was very very unfeminine of me to like bugs yeah. and to like snakes and to collect bones and talk to animals I don't know so like yeah, I I, hear you. I connect with it on that level mm-hmm. yes we love a bug lover <laughs> I did not get much from my uh, dad but he did give us the opportunity to get pretty close to bugs and just really appreciate them. Um, but he would also chase them around with them. So, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But I love, like, showing the kids that I work with. I love showing the bugs. We love going on bug hunts. And by hunts, I just, like, you know, we're just looking for Mm -hmm. a bug circus. Um, and I think it's so cool to, like, show little kids bugs in a way where they're not afraid of them and not build that fear because I feel like most bug fear is built yes like by your parents I mean it's hot it's mm. um but I, I love little bugs I don't I'm glad we're bug people I don't think this movie needs to be remade 
but if it was, I would like to see it given the same treatment that Suspiria was, where like they it wasn't like a frame by frame remake, and they like took the idea and did a cool thing with it. Because <clears throat> I haven't watched the original Suspiria; I've only watched the new one, and it as fucking weird as it is. The last 15 minutes of that movie fucked me up, and it's beautiful. It's, oh, it's like incredible. I, there's people being torn open, and my brain's like, that's gorgeous. I need you to go <laughs> sit in the dark hallway and think about it now. It's exactly what I did. I watched that movie and then sat down in the hallway and just like, what? Is, what? It's good. It's very good. Oh my gosh. It is thematically and tonally the exact opposite of the original, and it works mm. so well because of that. And so I agree. If they ever did another remake of a Dario Argento movie, and it wasn't Inferno, which would make sense because the Mother of Tears series or the the Mother series, Suspiria is mm-hmm. one of three movies because there's mm-hmm. three sisters, and um they, they they really should do three movies. I'd love it if somebody just did the the series of all three of them. But it's Suspiria, Inferno, and then. Uh, the Mother of Tears from 2012. He waited a very long time to make the third one, and the third one is not as good as the other two. But it is a it is a three film series because there's three sisters, and it's a it's a very you know it's impactful, it's important. But yes, I agree. I would love if they did another mm-hmm. remake, but if besides me wanting the three the three movies for uh, for it to be if it was this one for them to just tonally shift. Yes, yeah. like. I don't know how, but to totally shift, it would be incredible. That would be something fun to think and about. And get Jennifer Connelly to play Bruder. <laughs> yes. I know we have to leave soon because it's getting late, but that would be something to like an idea to play with. Like what tone? How would we change this movie? If we were remaking it, how would we tonally change it and still hold the heart of it? Like, there's certain things, like, you can... One of my favorite things is uh, thinking about how I would retell, like, a classic fairy tale. There's certain things that have to stay in the fairy tale for it to Mm -hmm. remain. Like, I have a rewrite of uh, Rumpelstiltskin. There's certain things that have to stay the same. There has to be somebody that comes and helps somebody... uh, get out of a bad situation that's like the heart of it but in return they have to give something that they don't think that is like the girl in the original is like I'm never gonna have children sure whatever you can have my first child and then she marries the king and gets pregnant and is like well dang now I gotta go break this deal so it would be fun to be like how would I take phenomena and keep it as it is at its heart, but change it. It'd be a great yeah. Mike Flanagan yeah. series. Full circle. We started with Mike Flanagan again, and now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to touch on, kind of related to answering your question. I feel bad for Bruckner. And I wish that I could feel mm. bad for 
for Bruckner because she is sexually yeah. assaulted. She has this child yep. she doesn't want. She raises this child who mm -hmm. is a murderer, goes insane to protect this child who is a murderer. And we're just like, you know, and we've kind of like not made fun of her, but made fun of like this ending, which is just so surreal and messed up. And it is. And she is not in the right for any of her choices. But like, I feel like in a remake, I would love it if like, we don't know that she's the killer, but we know that like, you know, throughout the series or the movie, we get like really invested in her because that character is more a part of what's yes. going on. And she becomes someone that we really begin to trust and we really begin to feel for. Like you've been through so much, we're here for you. And then she betrays yes. Jennifer. That's mm -hmm. that, that would be incredible. That could, what could happen is Jennifer goes to this school and like all of the essentials are the same. None of the girls there like her. Sophie's fascinated with her because she's obsessed with her dad. And uh, when Sophie dies, Jennifer has no friends. And so she takes some solace in this one teacher that's nice to her. But mm -hmm. the teacher mm -hmm. it, it has her own issues. But the teacher's nice to her until she's not kind of thing. That could be something. But we we get to learn more about Bruckner in this hypothetical, which would make it more yeah. impactful because in the original, we only see her like once or twice before this ever happens. And then she just comes up and then she's normal and then she's not normal. And it's right. It's freaky stuff is happening. Like there's a pool of maggots, but the twist of, oh, it was Bruckner the whole time, doesn't feel impactful. It's just like she's got a pool full of maggots. <laughs> and she's kind of weird. But how bad does that house smell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, she 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 dug that hole within eight months. So let's remember, yeah. they yeah. were in a different house. Oh, yeah, that's right. Busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is like, my Jesus job Christ, to uh, bring in the fun fact. Do so it. I'll just... Okay. All right, it will. <laughs> well, Love probably already knows everything, but our listeners won't. Um, For these forming scenes, um, these special effects artists, do I have to say the name? Superimposed slowed-down no. footage of coffee granules. Floating down <laughs> a fish tank over the film shot. So that's cool. Whoa. Which shot? Forming scene. Oh, that is cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like the We Worship mm -hmm. You scene where it's outside the building. And probably uh, towards the you end. think the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Um, that artist also created a mechanical firefly prop or close up shop. But it was rejected. Aww. Rejected. Um, and then I'm assuming we watched the 116 or 110 minute running time film. But when it came to the United States, because that's that's how long it was, um, when it first came out in Italy, I'm assuming. But when it came to the United States, it was cut down to 86 minutes and we lost locomotive. Ugh. Mm. Wow. Ridiculous. 
That's when it was creepy. Yeah. Yes, yes. If you ever want to watch the American uh, version, it's Creepers. Huh. Tragic. <laughs> it's an essential part. Exactly. Is that it? Um, well, probably. <laughs> I'm sure there's more of those for the two I dropped. Okay. Well, thank you. Those are great ones. My uh, phenomena moment, like two days or a day after I oh, yes. watched the oh, movie, yeah. um, I was about to brush my teeth. I had the toothpaste in my hand. I felt something on the toothpaste. I kind of like flicked it off onto the thing, like, well, what the heck? It's probably like gross, whatever. And then I feel another thing. I look down on the sink, and there's two maggots squirming around <laughs> on the sink. No! I guess they somehow, like, we keep our toothbrushes and our toothpaste in a cup and maybe, like, water collected in there and they were just hanging out. But felt very much like that scene where Jennifer is trying to pull a pill up and she looks down and there's maggots in the thing. Very gross. No. I would die. I have a moment I'll share with you. Okay. Can I tell you about the flowers I got? No. Tell us. When, when I went to CPR training, I was able to stop by the uh, farmer's market real quick. And there's this flower um, stand that I love. And they have very uh, exotic flowers and all bright colors, just different kinds of flowers that you don't usually see. Very cool. And I, I have some hanging on my wall that are dried from last year. And they dry so well. So I purchased these with the intention of after they start to wilt, I would hang them upside down mm-hmm. and dry them. Well, I didn't even get that far, okay, friends? Because I had them out on the counter and, you know, I would go by and I would, like, smell them and they're so beautiful. They smell so good. And then one day I walked by and I took a glance on them and then I did a double take. Oh my gosh, friend. One of the main, like, signature flowers in it just like a standard flower don't ask me what it's called i don't know flowers but you know when you imagine a flower mm-hmm. it's a flower and but it, it, this one like dips in the middle where like you know it's little pollen things are and coming out of its hole was a big fat gray little worm grub oh. <gasps> horrible so Listen, I know I was just talking about how much I love bugs. I just it's well, it's mixed it's a mixed bag, okay? I, okay. I like bugs. I don't like larvae. Yes. That's yes. the distinction. So that one was very thick. And I say that one. Because after no, I Rachel. took care of that friend, the next day <laughs> I noticed on a different flower another one. No. Yes. And so I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep these flowers. I was like, okay, I can't take care of it now. I have to go to work. I will worry about it later. And later on, I got rid of the flowers. And on the counter, there were two more worms. I was like, oh my gosh, there's going to be worms in my house. I felt worms on my body for at least a week after. I didn't find any others, but oh my gosh. Oh, Did you look that, up what they were? 
I tried to, but I didn't Google Lens it, and that I should have. I tried. Um, I'm not sure. I I should look. I should like because at that point I was like, I don't want to think about this anymore. And all I could see was that worm coming out of the middle of the flower mm. and me plucking it out with my tweezers. Because yeah. <laughs> maybe if you learned what Triggered. they would grow into, you would be. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> like if it was a caterpillar. Maybe. I also love when Rachel calls us friend. I don't. Because it makes me feel like I'm a part of her class. Yeah. Aww. Mm. <laughs> love that. You can be part of my class. Okay. I will give you markers and hope you don't eat them. I will eat them. And we can play peel the tape. Okay. <laughs> I will sing everything. <laughs> Well, I think we have to say goodbye. I think. Yeah. I think we've run out of things to say. Well, my beautiful. <sighs> well, why don't you all do your wrap up, and then I'll do the the ending, the closing part. I'll do that live uh, if you yeah. want to react okay. to it. You can. <laughs> I already have it written, so we can just do it live this time rather than you hear it during the episode, and uh, then that's how we'll close out. We don't have to say bye. I'll just, I'll just. Okay. End after okay. That. We can say goodbye beforehand, oh, okay. Okay. and then you can listen and react if you <laughs> okay. want. But go ahead and do your closing. Thank yeah, you for having thanks me. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Mm-hmm. Our first. Yeah. Thanks guest. for watching the movie. We start. What do we say? I don't remember. How, however you close out yeah. your episodes. How do you Well, thank out? you for listening. Thank you for We're listening. We're so glad. We hope you enjoyed this very special Halloween special episode of Just the Fake One. I hope you're not as freaked out by maggots as I am. And me. That was okay. We <laughs> hope you have a very happy and safe Halloween, very spooky yes. time. Yes. Follow your heart, eat all the candy, dress up, and eat pumpkins. Is that what we do on Halloween? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You can find us on all things social media at Just the Fake Ones, and our email is fake. No, not at Just the Fake Ones. Ah! I never say this part, but no one else is saying it. Our email is fake. Tell us in our email if you love maggots. Um, and we will think about you. Will but we? don't send us pictures. Will we think about them? Yes, because yes, because we'll be thinking who is this person that just said they love maggots? Well, there has to be people who love maggots <laughs> because there's like people who they might not necessarily love mosquitoes but there's like mosquito researchers like the thing is like i know we're closing the episode but i have to explain i have not been clinically diagnosed with my phobia but like i have anxiety reactions to maggots and parasites i understand that maggots serve a purpose we would be drowning in corpses if we did not have them Mm -hmm. and all the other little bugs that eat dead bodies I just did a little like finger wave to 
emphasize the bugs, but nobody can see me. Like, I understand they have a purpose. I hate them. (laughs) Yeah. So don't send me pictures of maggots, please. No, don't send us pictures, but um, tell us if you're a maggot researcher. That would be interesting. I would like to hear about your maggot research. (laughs) Don't send me pictures. Don't send me. If you're a maggot researcher, we'll bring you on for yeah. a future episode just maggots. to talk about your feelings yeah. on this film. Yeah. That sounds so cool. It really does. What do we think? Um, I guess say bye and then I'll do my okay. closing thing. Okay. Thanks for listening and being Thanks here and not sending us pictures of maggots. You're amazing. Have a good. Have a good. Have a good. Have a good. This has been Just the Fake Ones. With your hosts, the one who haunts your dreams daily. The one who from the forest yells and screams. Liss! The one who is standing in your corner at night. Rachel, the one who is telling this tale of fright. That's right, it's me, Love, editor, sound designer, uh, and special guest that you're welcome. Uh, if, if you enjoyed this, please tell your friends, give these podcast hosts more listens, they deserve it, and we'll see you next time. I'll fade out the ooh into the song. I come up with fail-safe